0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callis. I got to let you know, before I get into this, this is episode 387 coming out on March the 30th, which is a Thursday, right? And I got to tell you, this episode is mm, something that's been welling up for quite some time. Just, I don't want to put too much into it because I know it can really get negative. And I, I'm i really trying to be lighthearted. I try and be generally positive. I, I try and talk about a way forward. But this has been weighing on me for some time now. And I, I just, I want to let it out. I want you all to hear me out. And... and I'm not saying all is lost, and please, when this starts off, it's going to sound negative. I know it, and everybody's got that little negative in them, right? A little eeyore. I don't live like that. I don't want to live like that, but every so often, I feel the need to vent it and share it, and in this instance, I want you, my audience, I mean, you've been with me now for well over 350 episodes, or some of you only 15, but listen follow along with me here and give it a chance. I'm going to title it meet the new boss (laughs) and stick around. We're getting there. All right. So again, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, right? Rate, comment, and you know, critique the show. I'm here for you. Uh, I actually have had a couple of, uh, Listener-generated ideas in the last month or so. I am interested what you, the valuable listener, has to say or question about what's going on. So here we go. Meet n- new boss. Those of you who are boomers or older than me know exactly where that comes from. That's right. I'm quoting the who, right? Won't get fooled again. The only reason, or I should say the primary reason I'm familiar with that is the show CSI. Uh, One of the spinoffs uses that theme song. Won't get fooled again, right? So the idea being is we go to all this trouble, all this work, all this effort to get new leadership, to change things, to improve things. But I got to tell you, sometimes... It looks like we're getting nowhere. Sometimes it looks as if we go to all this time, trouble, and effort to get the new guy in that's going to fix it. Within a short period of time, they sold us out. They're not interested in getting done the things that we wanted done, or they're not who we thought they were in the first place. Now, it's, it's real easy in certain instances, right? when when you've got an election and you you see who the anointed person is, you you see who the next person was in line, the succession or succession plan, if you prefer. And you you have to be willing to put in the effort to go for the person that's not on their team. That's a challenge, right? It puts you at odds with a lot of friends, a lot of family, potentially. And family, I'm putting up the scare quotes, right? People that would otherwise be on your side or on your team are not sure why you would want to do that. Well, no, this guy's a good guy. We're vouching for him. Yeah, but uh, what good does it do if everybody's uniform and everybody thinks the same and comes from the same point of view? I mean, I'm quite comfortable with having a uh, left of center person around. I, I have no issue with the progressive point of view being known. I don't want them running things. I, I, I'm i really uncomfortable with the things that they put upon us, but by and large, I can at least see their argument and I can see their concerns. And in fairness, that's an opportunity for we of the right, we of the conservative, the Christian, the, you know, liberty lovers to address these issues. I've tried this routinely in my life in political action, right? Whether we go back to the summer of love when I said, hey guys, uh, we got to be willing to address these issues. Whether we think they're real or not, they are issues. We have to have answers for them. We ought to ask the legislature to discuss these. We should not see this issue to the left. Um, That didn't go so well for me in my SD8 convention. That is covered in length in previous episodes. Later on, I've talked about, you know, there's different things that we can see that we plainly observe, whether it's the latest crisis de jour or it's just a reoccurring thing that just never quite goes away. And I I ask, well what what's our solution? What do we want to do? What do we think would solve this? And unfortunately we really don't have any answers that we're willing to put out there. An election's about messaging, right? It's about telling a story. It's about sales and transferring belief that I think this will solve the problem, you should come along and we can solve this together. But we don't do that. We allow ourselves to get painted into a corner where we're just complaining, where we're just saying that's wrong. But we have to have solutions, and that's a challenge. Every candidate that you get behind, they do well to describe the failures or the problems, but do they give you solutions or probable solutions? And to be clear... We know what the left of center, we know what the general progressive moderate answer is. Well, typically it's more government or more government partnering with private or some variation of that. And they think that big brother or big sister can come in and solve the problem. Historically, that's not worked out so well. In fact, this usually makes matters worse. Well, there was a problem with men drinking too much back in the, you know, the 19 teens, uh, never mind why that might have been, just it was there. So in 1920, the federal government decided in their infinite wisdom that they're going to go ahead and enact prohibition. For our troubles, the Roosevelt clan got richer, the Kennedy clan got richer, the Brahms, or whatever their name is up in Canada, got super rich. And we dealt with a crime wave and gangsters and the growth of the mafia and... It got organized and back then, you know, 13 years later, 1933, yeah, maybe this wasn't such a great idea. Maybe we should not do this anymore. We destroyed entire industries, bankrupted people and all that because government knew better. And we've seen this play out again in recent history, right? Right. So the latest thing, of course, the ESG nonsense and the die stuff, D-E-I-D-I-E, whatever you want to call it, these are the newest things that are going to come from government to fix all these problems, real or imagined, and we're just supposed to go along with it. And we, we try and fight back, we try and push back, but then our our leadership, the people we've fought to get into a position to fight back, right? Because you can't win if you don't have a person there to represent your position or your district that's a fighter. They get there and they immediately sell out. They turn tail. They show who they really are. Now, we watch this play out in Collin County all the time. You're super excited. We've got this new conservative, adrenaline-driven person that's going to go down to Austin and make a difference. And then 10 years later... They're no different than the one they replaced. In some cases, worse. Because the problem with conservatism is they're always defending something they were against 20 years earlier. And it doesn't matter what their name is, what their sex is. Without fail, that's what conservatives do they lose, they lose slowly, and then they defend the very things that they fought against 20 years earlier. It's rinse and repeat. So the biggest issue that we have right now is our our elections are in question and the border is not secure and the state of Texas is in disarray. So we got a couple more conservatives elected and they're supposed to go down there and fix everything. And the very first thing they do is reelect the Speaker of the House that doesn't feel like conservatives or Christians or liberty issues are a problem or a threat. So he puts the opposing party in power and authority to where they can promptly kill the things that we deemed mattered most. We were even nice enough to put together a list of priorities. These are the things that we're most concerned about. Please address those. And they promptly ignored it. So then, of course, we at the local level say, well, uh, we control the party mechanism in our county. We're going to tell... Our elected officials that we, the county party of Collin County, aren't really happy about this and we want you to do your darn job. And they laugh at us. And they dismiss us. Now, I wonder if that might have something to do with the fact that the party doesn't determine who the candidates are. Or if the party doesn't fund the candidates. Or if the party doesn't have hmm, party discipline. Right? These are all valuable things that we could be instituting. But I'm not really comfortable with those either. But it's a lesser of evils, right? But then again, what's to prevent that from being co-opted? What's what's to prevent the next chairman from not being a total dirtbag and selling us all out? The chairman we've got now is great. The one before him was pretty good, but then kind of got off the rails. I mean... Again, every elected official we get sells us out every time, all the time. I mean, you got a guy like Ron Paul and he's like this anomaly, right? And nobody can figure out, well, how did he hold true to his values? What did he do? I mean, his son ran, good guy, nearly, as, nearly at the same level playing field in my eyes as his father, Ron. And then you got one state representative that was good, but then got the Trump derangement syndrome and basically quit Justin Amash. And then we have one lone congressman also out of Kentucky. And <laughs> at the moment, his name just flew out of my head. But look, so out of 500 and some odd reps and senators, depending on how you want it, ah, eh, just whatever, 535, I think. We've got two. We've got two good ones, and we've got a half a dozen that are okay, that are decent, that are are positive. How does that happen? And we go to all this time, trouble, and effort to get rid of the ones that are terrible in our eyes, and we get new people in, and they promptly turn out to be a disappointment. Now, let me put an aside in here. My new congressman in Congressional District 3 of Texas has not done that. And I want to be very careful to say that I've been very happy with what he's done thus far. Not quite sure why we're doing the Ukraine thing, but you're in Congress. You're on that committee. You probably know a little bit more about it than I do, but I'm not in favor of expansion of the war, us funding the war, or sending anybody over there to fight in the war. But I'm trusting that you're going to come to that conclusion on your own, but you've got to do your own understanding. I get it. So, Godspeed to you, Keith Self, but I'm just going to speak from the heart. I I got zero interest in expanding or funding another war in Ukraine or, or continuing the one that's going on. I don't see any valuable interest on the part of these United States. But your predecessor started out good and went terrible. It only took him two terms before he decided to violate two oaths at one time. So we talk about these elections. We talk about... Going to all this trouble to get new people, good people in there that promptly disappoint us, which, again, I don't believe my new house rep has disappointed me yet. But as a generalization, the entirety of the delegation from Collin County down in Austin, for me personally, is a disappointment. The least bad guy who I still defend from time to time has been a little disappointing. That being said, we must carry on. So now we're dealing with another round of bonds. Now, bonds mean that the government's going to go take out a loan that they're going to expect you to pay back. Sometimes bonds are useful and good we got to put a road in. It's going to cost X amount of money. Uh, We can't find a contractor that's willing to do the entirety of the road unless we have all the money up front that we can promise them. Not necessarily the best way to do business, but I get it. Talk about a boondoggle, though. I mean, hey, look, building and maintaining roads. Oh, that's an easy street for those contractors and for the elected officials that determine that stuff. But what do I know? I'm whatever. So, The bonds, when they lose, they bring them right back. So it's a constant battle to quit spending money that we don't have to get things that we maybe don't even need. Now, Frisco has been exceedingly good at this. That is shoving additional debt on their people that live there. And McKinney doesn't want to be outdone. Now, what's interesting to me is the number I saw multiple times was 400 million, but the current flyer that came out only said 200 million. Now, I'm grateful that it's half of what I was told it was multiple times, and I guess I should put a correction in there. Hey, Stephen got this one wrong. Apparently, the city of McKinney is only asking for $200 million worth of bonds to build an airport that we could get private money to build. But if and when we shoot it down this time, they'll only be back again. I mean, every city does it And they'll probably sell it by, quote, honoring so-and-so and and put their name on it. I mean, that's what we do with schools and school bonds, right? Oh, did you forget that we paid for band uniforms with bond money? I didn't, but hey, it happens all the time. We just throw that all in there. Got to get that funding approved. Again, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. So we went to all this supposed trouble and effort to go find a worthy successor to Rick McDaniels. And we did a nationwide search and spent all this time and effort. And what do you know? Two weeks later, well, no, actually it's this guy here, his uh heir apparent, his successor that he handpicked. Yeah, that's the best guy we could find. Nobody else is out there that's as good or better than him. Just him. And then of course the school district. Oh, oh we, we want him. Come on. I mean, get away from the trough, people. The outgoing superintendent no longer pulls your strings, grow up, make an adult decision, accept the fact that maybe, just maybe, his handpicked successor isn't the guy that we want him to be or could be. Maybe there's somebody else more qualified or better qualified that wants the job. Why wouldn't we at least, I don't know, do more than interview two or three people? And and if you're wondering why I'm not being specific, it's because we hear different stories depending on the time of day and who's telling it. There really seems to be no accountability at McKinney ISD, but hey, don't worry, they're going to float another bond here pretty quick and we'll get another chance to spend some more money that we don't have yet. The bonds are the lifeblood of government, right? The more money they can get us on the hook for, the more things that they can get us invested in, the more likely we are to not rock the boat we want to make sure that that project's finished that things go smoothly so that we get our money's worth out of it how about this we just don't spend more money on things that we don't really need now you'll notice that we talked about the whole city hall thing a while back that hasn't gone away they've got the money to build it would be very curious to see who's building it and who's getting that little piece of the action and if there's any conflicts of interest there, any paybacks there. I, I just wondered if anybody out there might want to do an investigation into that. I have neither the time to invest in that or the money that it would cost to invest investigate that, but it, just inquiry minds want to know. We see plenty of other things here that look a little shady, but again... I don't fault people from making an investment, getting a return for their investment. But when they're using our money to do it, kind of have a problem with it. Kind of a little shady. I want things above board. And when you see mailings and flyers and advertising being done by companies that have a vested interest in certain things being done in the city Then also happen to be people that, oh, I don't know, help run the city. Again, that can be a symbiotic relationship. But when they're using our money against us, that's a problem. Again, we've got a new boss, but he's the same as the old boss. Everybody thought we were going to get a better situation when we elected a new mayor. Didn't. Everybody thought that things would improve when we put in somebody that was outside of the mainstream. Justin Beller didn't. Oh, because he works for the bank that funds the things that happen. Oh, well, now I understand. And don't get me wrong. Of all the people there, there's only two that I have any grace for right now. Patrick Claytier and Justin Beller for different reasons. And I mean, and it's grace. It's not a free pass. It's just grace. Hey, you know, they seem reasonable. They they seem to be interested in doing the right thing for their point of view. Okay. They're not going to go up against the boss man or his money handlers in the background, no, of course not. Why would they? There's only one or two of them on any specific issue that have any questions, and then when you put forth somebody to run that I don't know might be a second or might put forth a motion questioning what the status quo is, how well, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. It's a big challenge. And, and, and it's nothing new it's it's nothing unique i mean if i wanted to live in dallas i would live in dallas if i wanted mckinney to reflect dallas it would be just quicker to move to dallas yet all the transients and all the new people that come here think that we aspire to be dallas i don't i don't think anybody here wants to be dallas but that's the way we behave that's the way we act at our city government you should be concerned but hey, don't worry, they're going to bring up another bond and you need to sign off on it. Go ahead and make uh, your debt slave children and grandchildren who will never, ever pay off the national debt. We'll just give them a little something extra here at the city level. You know, We're small potatoes compared to what you're going to have to pay off for the national debt. And while we're at it, <laughs> while we're venting here, while we're, while we're talking about the things that we're trying to change that don't actually fix things or change them long-term. I hear the term, the latest outrage. Now, what's funny is it was put forth by somebody that was definitely left of center, definitely progressive mindset. and The person used it as the latest outrage. Yet, that's a classic case of projection. Every time I turn around, the progressives or the leftists have the latest outrage, the latest crisis that we must address now with more government and more debt and more giving up your liberties. Yet, when those on the right speak up and say, well, no, this is wrong. No, we're opposed to this. No, they're accused of being the ones that the outrage mob. They're the ones that are the problem. Huh? The vast majority of people throughout history, want to be able to get up in the morning, go do whatever it is their work is, come home and take care of their family, spend time with their family, take care of their home slash castle, and pretend that the rest of the world doesn't really matter. But we're not given that option. All the time they take it away from us. And nobody seems to remember that no matter how much you want to do it and how much you want to believe it, politics matters. You can say it doesn't. You can believe it doesn't. It doesn't matter. You don't care about politics. I get it. I, I wish I could believe that myself. But the, the the reality is you cannot care about politics. You can say politics doesn't matter. But politics does matter and politics does care about you because it doesn't want you to be able to function alone. It doesn't want you to be able to think on your own. It doesn't want you to be able to act on your alone. It doesn't want for you to be able to do anything outside of its sphere of control. Again, we can change the boss all we want, but it doesn't fix the system. Now, You might remember yesterday's episode when I was talking about the the show that was dealing with the concept of systematic racism. But what if I told you the only thing systematic in our country, the only thing systematic with all governments is systematic oppression, Systematic diversion of the real issue to something else. Hmm? Systematic inversion of what is real and what is actual. Systematic exclusion of certain groups from other groups so they're so busy fighting against themselves that they can't see the real problem. What if I told you that the real enemy... Are those in power above us, or at least those that think that are above us and those that have temporary fleeting power? I would imagine, I would imagine that if those people that showed up on January 6th really, truly wanted to do what they're accused of being doing or what they're accused of, right? If they really wanted an insurrection, if they really wanted to upend the government They had the numbers. 10% of them with semi-automatic firearms would have made minced meat out of everybody down there. If they really were a violent mob, if they really wanted to unseat and trample on the holy ground that is the Capitol building, there wouldn't have been a darn thing that anybody could have done about it. It's so disingenuous. Such a crackpot bunch of garbage that a lot of people have bought. I think tomorrow I'm going to talk about the whole problem we have with political prisoners—people that are locked up for really no good reason. I think I think the entirety of tomorrow's episode is going to dwell on that, and you know why? Because nowhere there. Whether you're on the right or you're the left, if you're a Democrat or a Republican, these are things that are real. These are things that you've got to deal with. Whether you agree with their politics or not, it's really bad policy and it's really bad for you because it is that government oppression. The one thing that they're very good at. They can do soft tyranny very well. They do hard tyranny very well, but it's tyranny nonetheless it's that soft power, right? The velvet glove with the iron fist. Again, we thought we made changes. We thought we winning a few elections. We thought by changing a few people out we were gonna get somewhere. And we found that we met the new boss. He was same as the old boss. My answer, or actually my question before I give you the answers. Will we learn from our mistakes? Will we see what's obviously and plainly being displayed in front of us? My answer is, not until we realize that the new boss is the same as the old boss. Now I look, I understand. There's a whole slew of people that are right of center. They spend a whole lot of time bickering amongst themselves, fighting for purity, fighting for the absolute agreement on certain things. Might I suggest to you, you all would do well to remember where the real problem is. It's not the person on your right. It might be the person on your left, but it's almost never the person on your right in today's day and age. It's the person in front of you. It's the guy that's there on behalf of government seeking to control you. Seeking to manipulate you, seeking to box you, seeking to direct you at the guy at your left. Now, unfortunately for us, some of those guys on the left are those members of the government. And there's a few from the right, let's be honest. But the majority of them are left of center people that are convenient scapegoats by those that are in control, those that are in power. And they, they keep us focused on the guys on the left, right? Some of these weirdos, some of these people that dress up and, you know, look, I've said before how it was the last pedophile I happen to know took his own life. He saved me the trouble of potentially ending up in jail myself, right? I'm not saying I would have done anything. I'm not, I'm just saying that the urge, the desire to exact revenge, was there. Would I've acted on it? Uh, maybe I would have had to travel a thousand miles to pull that one off. Probably would have cooled down and had a clearer head before I did that. But if I was the parent of that child, I would have been doing the whole world a service, right? <laughs> you should go look up some videos of angry dad solves a problem. <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting that's the way to go forward with this. If one guy can fix one problem like that, what do you think that a few hundred thousand or a million people plus in D.C. could have done if they really wanted to? Again, you put your faith in somebody that's only going to let you down. I'm suggesting that you shouldn't get fooled again. Don't get tied up in the latest outrage. Focus on the things that you can make a difference on. Focus on things that have a direct impact on your life and your family's life. Agree to disagree and work with people that are close enough to where you're coming from. That's what I'm suggesting. Then and only then can we maybe, just maybe, slow down things and perhaps, given enough effort, reverse them. Anything else? Just not something I want to do. That's unthinkable, the outcome. So, that was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? That, that was not the ideal episode of According to Callus. It wasn't very lighthearted. It wasn't very, you know, positive. But I left you hope. And hope is what we need. Hope is what gets us from day to day. The, the hope of a better tomorrow, the hope of improvement is a very, very powerful thing. Take that. Go into your next day. And with that, I will see you on the other side.